Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. Who else you know around the city doing it better than this? Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, come on. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Hello, and welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. Bonjour, Konnichiwa, Ola, Utenteg, and what's popping, good people? I'm so glad you were able to join us today. It's me, your favorite fantasy football fiend, Zay. As always, I got my main man on with us, Young Vander. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, Bro Joe. Holla at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, fantasy fiend family? Man, we have a hell of a show in store for you guys today. We are recording this on Freaky Friday the 13th, and shit is starting to get a little bit spooky out there in fantasy land. Don't worry, we're going to help you navigate. We're going to make sure that you know exactly what's going on in the wide world of fantasy. We actually have a little bit more news this week than we have had over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to help you navigate through that as well. Make sure you know what's real, what's fake, what should be considered, and how it affects all of your fantasy moves, both in redraft and in dynasty. So with that being said, let's hop right into your news. And now your fantasy news. All right, fellas. So we got a few different things going on. We'll talk about the NFL schedule being dropped and a couple of things that I've been able to kind of glean from that in just a couple minutes. And if anything kind of sticks out to you guys as far as that schedule is concerned, we'll definitely be able to kick that around a little bit. But right now, as of yesterday, the biggest news out there is Mr. Jerry Judy was arrested, according to Zach Stevens, who is a beat writer out there in Denver. He said that the wide receiver was arrested on Thursday morning in Colorado, and it was a domestic violence situation. We have a little bit more information now as far as what was actually going on there. Apparently, he was attempting to take his uh, child's mother's wallet in the child's car seat. The child's mother called the police the police came out. He basically told the police the reason that he's that he was doing that was because she wouldn't give back his cell phone. So it was kind of it was it seems like it's on the pettier side of a DV situation. Uh, but in the in, in Colorado, things are a little bit different. Anytime there's any type of a domestic dispute, for one, that's the reason why he didn't get bail. Because the way they do things is if there's a domestic dispute and you go to jail, you don't get out until you see the judge. Period. There is no um, there is no. Hey, here's a couple of bucks. I'm going to go home and I'm going to holler at y'all next week, next month. Nah, that's not the way they do that. Now, with a little bit more of the details, I don't think it's going to greatly affect him or his season because there was no, you know, actual violence. He didn't put his hands on anybody or anything like that. It seemed kind of petty all the way around. but. Um, that's what we got right now for Jerry Judy. Did you guys see this story hit the line? At first, I was like, oh, man, here we go again. But 
being that you know new information has come out, um, I agree with you. I don't really think this will affect his season. I don't really didn't foresee them really uh, suspend him at all. He shouldn't get any fines or anything. Either. I mean, in my opinion, because nothing was done. I mean, it seemed like the police maybe just took him into custody as a, like a just precautionary, I guess. right? Like precautionary type of thing. So, which is unfair. You know what I'm saying? To go sit in jail for for nothing. But that's Colorado. I, right. <laughs> I, I, th- I think he should be fine moving forward, though. So I don't think any uh, fantasy owner should worry about suspensions, anything of that nature. We had the Bears picked up Dante Pettis on a one year deal, and they also picked up Tajay Sharp on a one year deal. The Bears right now seem to be bargain basement shopping and giving fields a whole bunch of wide receivers that nobody else would sign. And I don't know how that's going to work out at the end of the day. Um, right now, I kind of feel like he only has one receiver, and that's Mooney. Um, outside of Mooney, I don't really see any guys that can be uh, counted on or, or any guys that are anything more than a, I won't say a has-been, but guys that we thought were going to come to fruition a year or two ago that never did, and now they're just picking them all up. So. That's going to be a pretty interesting wide receiver room, in my opinion. You know, I just one thing I find so funny about the league. They say they want you to be successful, and the weapons that they choose to put in front of you, it, it just says otherwise to me. All right, <laughs> you know what I mean. They got so many guys coming in. I mean, they're signing different guys. I think I just seen somebody else getting a workout as well. But when I mean, you telling me you putting together. Uh, I mean, Byron Pringle, I guess, you know, he's cool, but you bring it in. Oh, yeah. You remember he went, to, maybe they brought him in because you remember he got arrested. He went to jail too for doing donuts uh, in a parking lot with his kid in the car. I think the kid was like one or two years old or something like that. Um, mm. So I don't know if maybe they, they brought, and I'm glad you brought him up because maybe they brought these replacement guys in because he there they may be replacing another replacement guy. Well, this is my thing. Like, who is the guy? Like you bring in Mooney, it's only Mooney. But, but, <laughs> That's the only but, guy. But is Mooney really like like the veteran? You know what I'm saying? Like nope. you know, sometimes you bring in that guy that can you know teach these guys how to be professional because all these guys are young. Yep. You got Pringle, you guy. got Mooney, you got uh the St. Brown kid. They just bought in Tarjay Sharp. I forgot about Equinemia St. Brown that yeah. came over from Green Bay. Yeah, you're right. So you got Tarjay Sharp, you got Dante Pettis. You can't tell me I want Justin Fields successful. You, I don't, not, not when you still got Landry, you still got Julio, you still got Odell, you still got like guys that has been proving his league. Anything that have you know a whole lot left in the tank. I mean, these guys can also you know help nurture these guys right here. So I just don't think you want to see these boys successful, man. Like you bringing in these kind of guys. Like this is a pedestrian wide receiver room at best. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're definitely nice. It leaves a lot to be desired because you gave up, you know, a Rob. You let him test, yeah, the agency after you purposely didn't utilize him all last season. They don't have, like you said, after Darnell Mooney is like, who do you have? And I don't, you know, I like throwing out rookies, but I'm not gonna bet anything on Velas Jones Jr. He don't have anybody to kind of take coverage away from him, so it's not going to help his production at all. So I can't even suggest a rookie on the team either. Maybe this is a Cole Komet breakout. Jimmy Graham is gone. They don't really have very many wide receivers. I, I might now throw Cole Komet 
onto that list of if you're going zero tight end, uh, if you just grab a couple of guys towards the end of the draft, he, he may now be on that list just out of necessity for Chicago because I don't see them having very many pass catchers. Not to mention the fact that the 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 Jags that they brought in, just the guy, um, they're guys that normally get hurt. So it's like not only do they not have the talent, but they can't stay on the field. So what are you trying to do to Justin Fields at this point in time? Like, like, like you can't win with this formula. This ain't, you know, 1980. Like, this isn't three yards and a cloud of dust football anymore. So I do believe that Justin Fields is going to have a metric ass ton of rushing yards. He ain't gonna have a choice. <laughs> he really don't even have more than two progressions. I mean, I, I wouldn't even look at the third receiver out of this group to see well, if he's open because he ain't gonna I, catch the ball. Truth <laughs> be told, um, I think Luke Getzey, uh, the OC there, right? Um, mm-hmm. He came from college, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember what program it was, but he called like some of the most designed runs. So okay. it's, it's definitely something to watch when it comes to fields and the legs. A lot of people don't know that out there, but I definitely think you'll see him run the ball a whole lot more than you've seen before because this guy calls a ton of design runs in the scheme that he did when he was uh, calling plays at his former uh, team, uh, school. So they're about to duplicate Baltimore. I'm not sure if it'd be quite like Baltimore, but as far as design runs – he, he calls a, a great deal of them. Interesting. I guess we'll have to see a little bit closer to OTAs and things of that nature. But, exactly. hey, that's that's what's, but, but looking at this offense, hell, it is like Baltimore when they had all those yeah. boo-boo receivers, a whole, exactly. bunch of, whole bunch of little guys. I mean, so maybe so. We got the Raiders. They signed wide receiver Keelan Cole. One-year deal. This guy – think he's actually underrated based on where he's coming from if you've actually watched him play he's a go get the ball kind of wide receiver been a patriots fan i watched him play with the jets minimally twice a year and i was always impressed with what he was able to come up with or come down with for that matter and i really feel like going to this particular team and having a capable quarterback is really going to put him on the map i would consider him to be one of my end of the draft sleeper types or one of my first replacements if I make that trade or if there's an injury that comes along or something like that, because he's nine times out of 10 going to be on your waiver wire um, unless you just pick him up with one of those last picks. But if things work out right, I can see him taking over that um, Brian Edwards wide receiver spot because he's just he, he's more talented. I mean, he, he brings it on the field. They kind of have the same skill set, but this guy makes some catches that just has your jaw drop. Like it's like he's every every few plays, you feel like he should be a number one wide receiver. I'll put it like that. I mean, that was in in a bad offense. So I kind of think the Raiders got a really good, how would I say, um, low grade signing that could end up working out a lot better for them than what they thought. Well, I thought I thought Keelan Cole was a slot receiver. He does it all. Because okay. you got to remember, when he was with the Jets, uh, Crowder was playing the slot, and he was on the outside. Okay, I thought he played more in the slot. I mean, I don't I don't see this being anything. I mean, the guy's twenty nine years old, so it's not like 
you know, I'm not saying he's old, but what has he done for me at this point to make me think this is a, a key signing? You know what I mean? So you still have Demarcus Robinson on the team. So are we sure he's going to be the person that fills in for Brian Edwards? Because Demarcus Robinson played more of a Brian Edwards position than Keelan Cole does. So I think it's just depth, to be honest with you. I mean, they still have Matt Hollins on the team, guy from uh, the Eagles. So I think it's just a depth move. I don't think you should go out here and get this guy. He definitely will be available at the end of your waiver. I think he can make an impact if there's, some, like you said before, if there's some injuries ahead, then yeah. If, if Renfro goes down, then yeah, he definitely probably could be, have more of an impact. But until then, no. He's, he, no. Yeah, I like the idea of filling out the receiver room in this way to bring competition to your fourth and fifth wide receiver. Like you said, just like uh, Mac Hollins um, and him as well. That, that, to me, those uh, you know, Demarcus Robinson, those, those are some quality people to have duke it out. Because um, we know they're going to want to throw the ball. But to Vander's point, I think this, you know, th- those moves are more for death. But nonetheless, they're they're good moves to observe. Like you said, barring injury uh, during the season, just to kind of have your your eyes to the team, knowing you know which you know those players' skill sets and what they could do. And I did just look it up, and Vander. You're right. He is classified as a slot receiver, although he does go to the outside every now and then. Um, he is classified as a slot receiver, and I'm assuming that he was playing the outside just because Crowder really can't play the outside. So maybe they just had him there out of necessity because I know the Jets did have several injuries as far as the wide receiver core was concerned. But he definitely did impress me um, when Wilson was able to get the ball down to him even previously when they had other lackluster quarterbacks there he just kind of i don't know he kind of jumped off the screen as being the one guy that knew what the hell he was doing when everybody around him made the entire team look like less than what it could be but that's definitely one that i'll keep an eye out on just because i know that as we go into the season especially when we're dealing with a 17-week season a lot of times it's your replacement guys that kind of get you through Once you get that injury or once you get that trade off where, you know, you gave up three players and only got two back, knowing who to backfill is just as important as knowing who to draft. So um, we'll give you several guys that you can kind of keep in the back of your mind and, you know, see how they do week one, week two. And then you can kind of put them on your, you know, your your wait list, if you will, and kind of go from there. The Ravens beat writer Jamison Hensley writes that J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards likely won't be available for upcoming OTAs. So Baltimore is going to open up their OTA workouts on May 24th, and they likely won't be available on May 24th for said workouts. I would not panic just yet. Plenty of time between OTAs and the actual season and preseason and all that kind of good stuff. Based on who they brought in at the running back position, that was definitely a depth move bringing in uh, Mike Davis. I, I, I kind of feel that they feel that by the time it's time to go for real, that they'll be good to go. But that should actually make their prices. Hopefully, this information will kind of spread like wildfire throughout the fantasy community. And then maybe you can get Dobbins in like the fourth, fifth round as far as redraft is concerned. But, you know, hey, that may or may not happen. But it's the further he drops, the better for me, because I tend to go with my wide receivers first in drafts because you can get top-notch wide receivers that are going to be a little bit more how will i say 
reliable week to week. And as long as you have a starting running back, that's the starting running back for his team. And they have a system that they're going to give him, uh, how would I say, like a mandatory minimum as far as touches are concerned. That's really all you need in that running back spot. You just need consistency in running back if your wide receivers are good enough to kind of carry the load. So what do you guys have as far as J.K. and Gus are concerned? Both of them had the same injury, right? The uh, Was yep. it the Achilles, ACL? I've been saying I wasn't, you know, rolling with this J.K. Dobbins. You know, we, we talked about this. I think the last show we was going back and forth about it. But I'm not saying he's not a talent, but I just don't see him being getting to, the, to that point where everybody thinks he's going to be at. And just the Mike Davis move just kind of like made me feel even more confident about how I was feeling about him. So, because we don't know how he's going to come back. I understand he may be a workout warrior and things of that nature, but how is his healing time? Like, just because you work out don't mean your healing is is up to par. So, it's not a sprained ankle, you know what I mean? So, it's definitely something to come back from. And I just got to see how his confidence is on the way back from his injury as well. So, but I just, I'm just not big on Dobbins as being that guy everybody want him to be. Due to his injury and because of just it's just crowded. I mean, you just bought in Mike Davis. You just drafted a running back as well. I mean, what are we doing? I love it. I'm hoping that I can have everybody feel the exact same way up until draft day, so I can cash in this ticket. I mean, we got to also <laughs> look at the fact that last year they were decimated with injuries, and I don't know if it was right. two running backs, but I want to say three running backs was all hurt during training camp. So it was three. I, Okay, I figured it was three. This is all precautionary. They don't want to have to go through what they did last time, having to you know, bring Freeman off the street, uh, trade with the Saints and everything else. They're just acquiring talent. And OTAs is organized team activity. You don't even see most quarterbacks even go to OTAs. You don't even see premier players go to you know OTAs, unless they're depending on how serious the situation, like as far as like competing for championships, stuff like that. That's when you see most teams want to galvanize and come together. Uh, to your point, we don't, you know, this happened during training camp. I feel like it's, it's more than enough time. We don't know, uh, but at the same time, I, I would like to lend myself to Cam Akers. If Cam Akers can do what he did in six months, if Von Miller, I think it was Von Miller who tore his ACL at one point, or it was Terrell Suggs who did it and still came back towards it. No, I think Terrell Suggs was something different. But I think it was ACL, but don't get me I think he has more than enough time to come back. I don't think he even plays training camp. He's not going to play any. I'm not preseason. He's not going to play any preseason. I love all those things because, like, uh, to Zay point, he might fall in the fourth round, and I'm completely fine with that. As long as, you know, one thing I like to look at um, is on YouTube, these injury guys. I love them. They always, like, break down injuries and stuff like that. And that's – I can't wait to share that on the next show, who they are, and go over that information. If they say he's good – I'm stamping it for wherever his value is. I'm going to take it. I think it's more than enough carries that were around. They have to get him the ball. And like I said, it's just smoke and mirrors. Gus, on the other hand, I don't know if he'll be as healthy. But I think if anybody is held out uh, past week one, it's Gus Edwards. We had the NFL schedule drop on yesterday. There were a couple things that kind of stood out to me. The first thing that stood out to me was the fact that the Patriots are going to have a hell of a hill to climb this year. And it, it 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 might not be a fun year for my squad. That's the first thing that stood out. The second thing that stood out was, was that the Lions don't have one single prime time game all year. Um, and the third thing that stood out to me was the fact that the Browns are playing against the Texans in week 13. And the first five or six games that the Browns play, 
any given Sunday, anybody can win, but those first five or six games, even with Jacoby Brissett, the Browns have a chance to win those games. And so logic tells me that the NFL has this thing set up that they probably know how long Watson is going to be suspended or if he will be suspended. I think their bye week was week nine for the Browns. They don't play the Texans until week 13. I don't personally believe that they would have put the Texans on the Browns schedule unless the NFL behind closed doors knew for sure that Deshaun Watson would be available to play in said game. So I kind of think that the NFL is tipping their hand a little bit as far as the Watson situation is concerned. Also, we um, found out that his court cases, as far as the civil trials are concerned, they probably won't end up coming around until mid-year 2023. So the fact that he was out all last year, the fact that they had the Browns going against the Texas in weeks 13, and the fact that the NFL normally allows the uh, law enforcement and you know what they have to do in the court system to kind of play out before they give their final findings and punishments, that may also mean that if he is going to be suspended, that it might not be until 2023. So um, right now, the scuttlebutt is running the gamut from he may not be suspended at all to worst case scenario, he'll be back just prior to or just after the bye week. So I'm not exactly sure how that will all work out. I can say that as far as Dynasty is concerned, if you can get him on the cheap because someone else is afraid of what may happen, um, you just basically stole a top three quarterback. He, he was a top notch quarterback when he had hardly any weapons. So I don't see his stint with the Browns being anything less than that. So let me get this straight. So they don't consider the Thanksgiving games primetime anymore? I think prime time is, is based on the, the, the literal night. time the game starts. Yeah, so okay. even on Thanksgiving, I think they got like the twelve o'clock game. It's yeah, but that's one of the most. That's probably one of the most viewed games of the year. Like you're right. You that, that's I mean? that's their spot. That's right. the only thing that yeah, I can see the Lions prime are gonna have every me. year. On one a holiday, that, maybe that, that would be considered. You know, the two that's things right before everybody's about to eat and everything. You know, right. The two things that stick out to me the most was uh, I see the Rams have the hardest schedule. Yeah, I saw that too. So them getting back to the promised land is going to be a little more difficult this year. And the four easiest schedules are all in the same conference, which let me know it's trash. Yep. Just the NFC East. <laughs> you know, you have the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Redskins, and the Giants all have the easiest schedules. Um, so it's going to be interesting. They play to see each other it. twice. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of that out of that pile up. Those are two things that kind of stood out to me the most. Again, you have some of these guys going back against their old teams. You have Russ going to be playing against Seattle, you know. So things, you know, the the, the storylines on those kind of games are going to be pretty interesting, and, and just it's going to be fun to see how it comes up. I don't That's think the only it's game I'm to touch on too. Yeah, go go ahead because I yeah I want I'll comment on that one after you get finished, Joe. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only game I'm looking for as far as our schedule go. We got an easy schedule. I, I, I'll be honest. Besides um, the Chargers, Tampa, and Denver, I don't, I don't know what we got to look forward to. I mean, you I mean your conference? Twice. You play the Cardinals twice. You play the Forty Nineers twice. You play the Rams twice. It's not too easy. Yeah, that Russ in Denver. Um, it's gonna be a tearjerker September twelfth. The thing that that gets me is the fact that they're not gonna give Seattle time to figure out what they have. Seattle gonna get their ass whooped week one, uh, and it's not gonna be pretty. <laughs> Russell Wilson is gonna come out there 
and put his foot in your hind part sideways. That's what's going to happen week one. The ba- the worst part about it is it may facilitate a downward spiral starting from week one. That's what I see for Seattle. I see Seattle having one of the highest draft picks going into next year that you can have. Because if Geno Smith, currently to the depth chart, is your starter and Drew Locke isn't even good enough to beat out Geno, good luck. That's all I can say. It's it's just not going to be a good look at all. Like like to a certain extent, it almost feels as if you guys are trying to get your quarterback of the future next year. You got the picks uh, from the trades that you made, uh, and, and maybe maybe it's logical to go about it that way. But you obviously can't tell your fans and the rest of the NFL world that you're tanking. But that's kind of what it feels like in Seattle right now to me. I know you would never say or accept that, Joe, because that's your squad, but. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, it, it looks like they're setting up for something that's going to happen, you know, next year, year after next. Oh, I'm happy if we do. I mean, let's be honest. I don't I don't think I think next year is the prime opportunity. We're going to have some like we're going to probably we're going to lead the league in cap. I think we're going to have a ridiculous number. I think 163 or something like that in cap space. We got, mm-hmm. like you said, all those picks. I mean, I don't think a lot of people wanted to come to Seattle before, but we're going to be throwing money around like fucking crazy. Uh, I think a lot I, of people gonna want to come holler at us. I, I think that's the Achilles heel for y'all. Even though y'all gonna have a lot of cap, who's gonna come? I mean, cause Seattle, the city itself. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful city. The summer times are ideal. The weather's nice, but it rains every day. Worse than Florida. <laughs> I mean, every day it rains, and it's a gloomy. I think it's like the highest city in the country as far as like suicide rate or some crazy shit. So. Like, it's just a gloomy place, even though it's a beautiful city. But <laughs> no one wants to live in the Northwest. You know what I mean? So when you got the the Miamis of the world and the LAs of the world, yeah. and, you know, these teams, like, it's hard to beat them out because of the ideal weather and tax purposes and things of that nature. So I don't know that that, that cap, I don't know if y'all going to be able to really spend it. I mean, because think about the guys that have gotten in the past. Is it either y'all homegrown talent or y'all made trades? But you hardly ever see big time free agents just sign the Seattle Seahawks. That's true. I didn't even think about that. A blank check would mean a lot. I mean, look at, I mean, not to go back in the day so we can move on to something else, but Mike Wallace had the choice between the Vikings and Miami. He chose the Vikings. No, he chose, uh, oh, he did choose. Yeah, never mind. Because I went to your point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 Miami, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I was thought about that. He had to choose between Miami and the Vikings, yeah. and he chose Miami. Yeah, no state tax, man. Like no state tax, right? And weather. I, I think, but, but I think another another angle to look at it is like the Jets. Like a couple years ago, like uh, Mo, uh, Mosley went there, a whole bunch of guys went there, and they just threw a blank check. Who doesn't want a blank? Somebody's gonna want. Yeah, but New York a blank is the check. but it's New York City. They, it's the but biggest if they don't market. Want, but if they don't want a blank check, that's fine. Like I like some of the pieces that we have on our team. I'm not saying we're gonna win a bunch of games because of those pieces, but we can stack anything on top of it next year. Not say whether it's a free agent or whether it's somebody in the draft, we'll still come out the better team. The main thing for me is the quarterback, and everybody know that we're gonna get one of the best quarterbacks that's coming out. And I'm praying Bryce Young and Stroud have a great competition. So I don't know who we can get. So. CJ Stroud gonna be that dog this year. I'm telling you right now. Yo, I saw him throwing at the pro- all cylinders. I saw him throwing at the pro day, and he's special. I, I think this year's draft class was garbage compared to Bryce Young and Stroud. So I'm excited for us to get a new franchise quarterback. 
And I believe that about wraps up to wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into this NFC West breakdown. All right, guys. So we have the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Seattle Seahawks. I am going to let Vander and Bro Joe break down their individual teams as far as fantasy options are concerned so they can give you a little bit of the insights that um, most people probably won't even pay that much attention to. That's what we do. We dig deep here. We're going to start out with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, we already know about the the biggest thing that's hanging over their head right now. DeAndre Hopkins has a six-game suspension to start out the season, which means that A.J. Green, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, even Zach Ertz, um, they're going to have some additional opportunities out there as far as pass catching is concerned. But also, we also know how Kyler Murray normally looks without D-Hop on the field. So Kyler Murray, although he may be one of the first quarterbacks taken off the board in a redraft as well as dynasty startups, I don't know that he's going to start the season in such a way that you're going to be glad that you made that pick. To add to that, I'm not exactly sure... Based on his temperament, normally once that momentum starts to build, whether it's building towards winning or whether it's building towards losing, the momentum doesn't really change a whole lot for that particular team. I can see them kind of finding themselves in a hole early and just kind of, you know, burying their head and tuck and tail. But we have uh, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, you have AJ Green. Hollywood Brown, he should have a, a, a decent role. I'm, I would say 99.9% .9 sure that when they made that trade, that they already knew that D-Hop was going to be suspended for the first six games, which made that move a little bit more palatable, if you will. I think Rondell Moore may end up having a, a pretty good season to, to start because he's the utility guy. If Kyler Murray doesn't take off running, he's kind of an outlet guy. Then you have James Conner, Eno Benjamin. Uh, Zach Ertz and Trey McBride. The thing that I'm looking at with this particular set of players, you know, Benjamin may be a sleeper. The reason I say that is James Conner normally is nicked up, whether it's, you know, something serious and he misses a whole lot of time or whether it's just a, a, a few plays here or there or a half of a game here or there or, you know, a couple of games throughout the season. But at some point in time, you know, Benjamin is going to be the starter for that team. So if you are one who goes with the zero RB strategy, I'm looking at Eno Benjamin as being one of those guys that you can get like way towards the, the end of the draft, but he may end up being a starter sooner than later for this particular team. Uh, what you guys got on Arizona? You do have D hop who's going to miss a couple games. I do think the acquisition of uh, Marquise Brown is going to, Kind of stomach that blow a good bit. Those first, what, he's suspended for six games, right? Six games, yeah. Yeah, I think Hollywood going to put up some some wide receiver one numbers in those, in those first couple of weeks. I mean, for the end of the season, to be honest with you, he's going back to his college quarterback. Yeah. I don't think we have seen a good Hollywood yet. I think this offense is going to like kind of like that you see what this guy's really about. He was in a system in Baltimore where she's extremely run heavy. And he wasn't able to really tap in, I think, into his full potential, even though he had pretty good games, you know, pretty good stats. But I think in this offense, we're going to really see him shine. 
So I like him a whole lot in his offense. I don't really think they'll fall very much uh, missing um, Diop, like most people think. Um, they do have him. I think Rondell Moore will definitely be a, a big contributor. Don't forget Zach Ertz is still there. You know, this is one of the better tight ends in the league. We'll just sign back with them. He'll do well. I do agree with the, you know, Benjamin move. I'm, I'm curious to see how they feel about James Conner now. We've seen James Conner be the workhorse and he gets hurt. And then last year, they kind of like, you know, he was more of a goal line, short yardage type of guy, and he was able to play well. But now he's back at the top. Right. So <laughs> I think we might go back to the get hurt again. You know what I mean? So, you know, Benjamin <laughs> definitely be one of the better handcuffs in the league this year. And he may get some run without – I think he will get run without James Conner being hurt because they're going to attempt to do the same thing as far as splits were concerned as they did with Conner and Chase, Chase uh, Edmonds last year. So, Right, but he, he's – You know, will be one of those guys. But he's now the one. Like, they, they gave him a, a, a good bit of – they gave him a little yeah, they handful. They paid, um, <laughs> they paid him. Well, not just paid him, but when you, if you look at the games that he played, they, they load him up a little bit. He had some games But then he got played. hurt. So that that's why I'm thinking they, they may want to try to change that if they actually want him to fulfill his contract at this right. point. Nah, I definitely think guys should definitely get at Eno. If if you're a Connor owner, it's a no-brainer for you to have Eno on your team. But that, if you're a guy like me and you like to swipe, you know what I mean? Sometimes you like to steal something, then Eno would be a guy to hold because he's going to be probably one of the more valuable handcuffs we got this year. And then you can move him later for maybe another piece. When Connor does go down, I'm not wishing anything. Knock on wood. I'm not saying he will get hurt, but yeah, the chances That's are high. Prediction of the future, is you know what I mean. So <laughs> I would definitely want to be an Eno Eno holder owner, and you can either play him if you already if you went zero running back and you kind of slow at that position. But if you stack at that position, then you can use Eno as a trading piece and get you another position that that you need on your team. You guys point out a lot of good points already. I think Hollywood going there is great on all cylinders. And I think um, even with Hopkins coming back, I don't see much of a drop off. That's the main reason he wanted to leave the Ravens. It wasn't Lamar. He even went on to say he just didn't want to be a part of a run first offense. So what do you do? You go to one of the pass heavy offenses in the league. I love Rondell Moore. I think he has a high ceiling. I love the gear he has. I think it's up there with Tyreek, in my personal opinion. Um, but we haven't seen him got get the ball much to kind of hang my hat on him. But I will keep an eye on him. But I'm I got to see it. It's not that he can't produce. The opportunities given from last year was dismal. It was horrible. I definitely agree with Eno. I'm just not as heavy on him, but I think he is a huge trade piece that you can definitely get for free. I'm really liking Keontae um, Ingram in that backfield. You talk about somebody who's Connor's clone. Um, if anything was to happen to uh, Connor, I think he was, you know, he would get a role as well. And he might be, for someone in Dynasty, somebody looking to going forward because he might be the, the running back uh, once Connor is going up out of his deal. The last person I like, because obviously we got Ertz there, is Trey McBride. But it's one of those things. It's not say I'm going to draft him. I'm going to watch list him. And I'm one of those people who look at targets and receptions week to week. And once I see him start creeping up as far as it being like him being productive in that offense, I'm a, he's going to be easy somebody who could get off of waivers and nobody know about him. I think he's the Goddard to Ertz. Uh, we just got to wait and see. Mm, um, I like that take. Once he comes into fruition, because his skill set is exactly what they wanted when they drafted him. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, 
These names are going to be pretty familiar, most of them at least. Uh, obviously, we have Matthew Stafford at the helm, quarterback, Cooper Cup as the number one wide receiver, followed by Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson. As far as the backfield is concerned, you have Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Kyron Williams, who's the rookie. And then you have Tyler Higby at tight end. As far as the Rams are concerned, I believe we're going to see more of the same from them. They haven't fallen off in any particular category. Allen Robinson now has the best quarterback situation that he's had since before high school. I really believe that Allen Robinson, although I cannot classify him as a sleeper, I will classify him as a value because he's going to be one of those guys that could be up there. The same thing that you saw from OBJ, you can get from Allen Robinson as far as numbers are concerned, um, except instead of it, instead of him joining the team mid-year and kind of having to acclimate that way, he's had an entire offseason. But Allen Robinson, for the first time in his career, to be guarded by number two corners, and actually have a corner and actually have a quarterback. I believe that he may end up being one of the best values in uh the draft this year. Now Van Jefferson, I would consider to be a sleeper just because in this offense there's plenty of balls to be thrown around and he's kind of the guy that he's that I can run and go get it type of guy. He may he's not going to be as consistent as the other wide receivers, but he's a guy that can go out and put up 15 to 20 fantasy points on any given Sunday. It just isn't going to happen every Sunday. So I do kind of have him as a, a tail end of the draft type sleeper. As far as the running backs are concerned, this is going to be interesting because you have Cam Akers coming off of injury. Daryl Henderson coming off of injury. Sony Michelle is out the door. You have the rookie Kyron Williams coming in. This is all going to be about how they manage injury and workload. Cam Akers is a running back right now that you can get that has first round running back talent, but you can get him in the fourth, fifth round right now. So he's going to be another one of those guys. If I can get J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers as, as my as starters and then get their backups as handcuffs. So that way I solidify a running back position and then maybe grab a rookie or two as far as running backs are concerned you've kind of locked up that position for the year. And if one of those guys do go down, you have the person that'll be right behind them. And in the particular system that they're running in, if they're the starter, they can put up similar numbers. So I do like where the Rams are working with um, in every position other than at tight end. Tyler Higby is not one of those guys that I would actually even utilize if we were using the the zero tight end strategy and waiting until you know maybe one of your last couple picks to get a tight end just because i don't see his upside being where some of these other guys may be because of the people that he have in front of him catching passes um but that's my current outlook for the los angeles rams joe what you got yeah so with the rams i i kind of end on the same path as you I'm just not as high as Van Jefferson. I think, like you said, I think he has the ceiling to be productive in fantasy. Like, there's a lot of passes to go around. But I actually like the the tandem of uh, Tyler Higby and Kendall Blanton that I think it'll take away from his productivity because we know what Tyler was doing uh, towards the later end of the season, fairly consistent and getting a lot of catches and, and balls and touchdowns and everything. But then when Kendall Blant was asked to step up as well, he was productive as well. And it seems to be like it was one of those things where it was Cooper, OBJ, and then it was any of the three between uh, Kendall, Tyler, and Jefferson. And now with, uh, like you said, Allen Robinson in the fold, I just don't see as much as it is the, the passes to go around. I just don't see the targets in his favor. 
but we already know he just needs one. And I think I don't want to bank on one if I'm doing year round. You know, we can always take a flyer on him, cover the tight ends already. As far as the running backs, I like Cam Akers. I know a lot of people didn't see like the burst and agility and those things that we would normally see out of him. But all things considered, he rehabbed in six months and he came back. Yeah. So I think <laughs> people under you're going to undervalue what he can really do. And I, like you said, I'm going to take that to you know the bank and I'm going to try to hopefully get him later in the rounds. But for fair value, though, I want to. I'm not going to reach for him, but I'm going to get him at fair value where I know it's a steal. And then I'm not worried about Daryl Henderson. I think when healthy, he's a great power runner, inside runner. But he just has lapses where I, I just can't count on him for anything else. But Kyron Williams was the sleeper pick that the Rams made that not a lot of people are thinking about. The reason why I say that is I'm not thinking he's going to challenge Cam Akers at all. But if you look at somebody that could be like a McKissick kind of player, this kid is a really good catcher out of the backfield. So that skill set alone is something to where – Say, for example, because, again, I always tell people to look at the snaps, the targets and reps. Like If I notice that he's getting some like a usage that's fairly decent and I pull off a big trade, I can go get him. And, you know, obviously being set at running back, I can get him. And at least I know that in the, the further part of the season, he's going to be utilized to catch four or five passes out of the game and get a couple touches because his skill set. I think if he had a faster 40, there'd be no question he would have went to a, a team needy, um, you know, that needed a running back. That's the only thing. But because he fell to the Rams, it's the most opportunity to get used in their offense. And it's fairly versatile. So he's one of those guys. Keep on a watch list. See how it goes in the season. But more likely than not, he's going to pan out to be a McKissick kind of guy in that offense. Yeah, I know many people think that Allen Robinson is going to see second uh, number two corners. But is he really? I mean, he's actually going to see number one corners. Uh, being that Cooper Cup is hiding in the slot. And those type of corners don't go play nickel and things of that nature. So I think Allen Robinson will see actually better coverage than expected. Van Jefferson, I think we've already seen his ceiling already, in my opinion. I think I've seen enough. He's just not what he's panning out to be. I don't think he's that guy. He's going to have a little game here. He's going to catch a long ball here and there. But uh, for the most part, I think he, he doesn't really offer a lot of fantasy uh, relevance for me. On this team, only re- fantasy guys I like. Of course, it's the quarterback, Matthew, Cam Akers, and Cooper Cup. Uh, Allen Robinson, I think he can be maybe – He's, I mean, talent-wise, he's there. But uh, this is the best quarterback he's played with. Yep. He's going to see a lot of number one corners. I mean, that's just that's just the fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cooper Cup is the best receiver on the team. Number one corners don't go in the slot. Very few. Maybe my boy Chris Harris or somebody like that who can – Right. You have those guys who can move around. But for the most part, the Gilmores and those guys – they're not chasing you out in no slot. And that's the reason why he's able to do the damage he's able to do. This is going to be a good football team. I think with this team is, you know, full, real football versus fantasy. I think they're going to do well fantasy uh, football-wise. But fantasy-wise, I think, you know, just Stafford, Cam, and, and Cooper Cup are your guys. San Fran is the next team up. Obviously, we have Trey Lance as of right now. Uh, looking to be the starter. You have Debo Samuel as their number one wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk as their number two. Jawan Jennings is third on the depth chart. Then we also have George Kittle. They have one of the more lengthy uh, backfields, if you will. You have Elijah Mitchell currently as the number one on the depth chart. Then you have Tyrion Davis, who is a rookie. You also have Jeff Wilson still there. You have Trey Sermon still there. And um, you also have uh, Hasty. Yeah, Hasty. 
um, he's still there as well. What we got on your squad? Oh, man. Typical. I think you should approach this season as typical in Shanahan fashion. Who's able to start running back? He should be on your team. Elijah Mitchell shown that he's he plays well as a starting quarter uh, running back. So Elijah Mitchell is the guy. One thing about uh, Shanahan, names don't really matter in these in his offense. True, true. Um, it could be a six round guy. It could be a fifth round running back. It don't matter. Mitchell was a six round draft pick. <laughs> so, so, so there you go. You know what I mean? I, he's a fifth or sixth, one of those. If whoever's the starter, you should play this man. You know what I'm saying? Because they can give you running back one weeks just because of the scheme itself. I think when it comes to the quarterback position, I love uh, before before you leave the running backs. I just mm-hmm. want to bring up a stat that you gave. I think it may have been a month ago or so. But you said that in the Shanahan offense, the same running back has never been. How did how did you say it? He's never been the number one running back two years in a row or something like that. You were saying as far as the running backs are concerned. With, with, I don't know, man. I said a lot of shit on it. <laughs> but I think I think your point was just because the the guy was the number one running back in the backfield in right. one year doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to the next year. For sure, for sure. And I I, I kind of had high regards for uh, I think Trey Sermon, even though he's going to be kind of back on the depth chart when the OTAs start. Uh, but I think he's a guy to watch because I mean he was a high draft pick. Yeah, he does he does? I mean, we, you watch Trey Sermon, of course. Yeah, college, he's a talent. He is. So I'm, I'm hoping he can, Yeah, I'm hoping he can get his stuff back together and, and, and kind of get back up. Maybe he'll jump to the two spot. You know, behind uh, Elijah Mitchell. There's been a lot of you know talk about the quarterback position, saying they don't like Trey, and then you look at the players, and they're like, this guy's arm is comparable to Josh Allen. He's making throws like nobody making. I mean, so it's just mixed reviews when it comes to that. But I think you should draft Trey. I like him as my quarterback. I'm the type of guy I go, um, we're playing a two-quarterback league. So I do like to get my wide receivers and skill positions early on. But I'm okay if this guy's my starter because he's a dual quarterback. I mean, he has the arm. He hell, he played well when he did get a little time to play this past season. He actually played pretty decent. He did. And like I want to say, say he got what twenty points in both of the games he started. The fantasy points. Yeah, right. yeah. So I mean, he's a dual quarterback. He's running. He's tough. He has a cannon for an arm. So I definitely think you should have Trey Lance on your team. I will watch it though, leading up to the year, because Jimmy G, Trey Lance can very well easily be kind of eased in. I think by the end of the season he'll be the starter. But um, for the first so, couple. So so just to be clear, you, you're saying right now that your inkling is if Jimmy G is healthy, that he may be the one to start, and then. Trey Lance ends up taking over, or, yeah. or do we think that okay? Yeah, I can see that. Because okay. I mean, I'm surprised they weren't able to move him, you know, this offseason. I was thinking he'd be moved to one of these teams, Steelers or one of these quarterback needy teams, but I guess the surgery news kind of like so maybe a couple teams are still hearing from that. Still don't be surprised if hell, don't be surprised if Jimmy G moves to Miami. I mean mm-hmm. I just, I believe Tom Brady's moving to Miami. <laughs> I don't know if Tom Brady gonna even play. You think he's you think he's gonna actually play football in Miami? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Now that he's got that contract with Fox as a as an analyst, I don't believe, and don't quote me on this, but I don't believe that he can be the um that he's gonna be able to perform those job duties as well as looking into being like the president of football operations type of thing that that he was looking at in the offseason as far as Miami was concerned before the whole Brian Flores thing happened. And just so it just in case you guys don't know, it came out that Tom Brady was actually trying to be moved from Tampa Bay to Miami this offseason. And 
Tampa Bay was basically like, nah, if you're going to play, you're going to play with us. So you, you're just not going to play at all. And I don't know that after less than 30 days of a retirement that after this year, he's actually going to be ready to retire. So if he does have any more time in the NFL after this year, and he's also going to be a free agent, unless Tua Tungvaloa plays his ass off this year, I believe that Tom Brady is going to end up being a Dolphin. But we'll kind of see how that goes. The thing with Jimmy G, I, I kind of felt like it may not have been as much to do with the surgery as it pertained to what San Fran thought that they should be able to get for him. Um, we saw the same thing with Debo Samuel. We saw some of the offers that were put out there for him. And then San Fran was like laughing them off like they're not even worth discussing. And I'm like, if you can get a top 10 pick for a disgruntled guy, especially sure. at that position, I don't, and especially in this draft, I don't understand the logic in not taking that. Yeah, I, I thought we took that, that Jets offer. I think they offered yeah. first. And the, the Lions tried to make a trade with y'all too. Yeah, we definitely should take so, the first round picks. I'm the same way. I don't care how good you are. If you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. I'm just always going to exactly. take that. As far as Debo is concerned, I think it's something you should monitor. Man, I mean, because the thing that makes him great is what he said he don't want to do anymore. Yep, that's so scary fantasy wise. Right. So I don't understand him saying, I don't want to be a wide back. You know, I really want to be just a wide receiver. And that's cool. But fantasy wise, guys do not draft this guy high. I wouldn't draft him. I'll kind of stay away from him, to be honest with you. I would, too, because somebody else so. is going to put in the capital to draft him way higher than he should be based on what he did last year. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, Vander, but I want to say he only had like two or three receiving touchdowns. Most of his points came from, from rushing uh, yeah. Yeah. in the red zone. First touching on Trey Lance. Uh, this is another situation similar to Dobbins where I'm glad people have this wrong narrative about him. We have to look at the fact that he only started all but 19 games in college. 16 of them came in 2019. I think he played one 2020. Then he sat out all 2021. People are looking like, oh, he started and then Kyle Shanahan took him out. Kyle Shanahan is the end, the GM, which I sat out. I don't remember off the top of my head because he's obviously in the Hall of Fame. But they sat there and chose this guy as their quarterback. You're talking I about think, Lynch. Yeah, Lynch. I think the mis- the thing is, they're all or nothing about Trey Lance. Trey Lance is still having to learn subtle things about playing at the NFL level that he didn't get by being a four-year starter. So it's one of those things like, yeah, like, oh, let me see how this looks. And we got a glimpse as to what he looked like. But everything that you look at from his teammates on down, they love this kid. They rave about this kid. Like, and I think that only propels him to when it's his time to start, we'll get a good idea that similar to, and I don't want any of the listeners to get misconstrued what I'm saying. Pat Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith until he was ready to be an NFL quarterback. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just like, I'm just giving you ideas to what Kyle Shanahan most likely is thinking. When Aaron Rodgers did to be, too. Several, several quarterbacks set. A lot and of them I think, ended up being good set. I don't know how good he'll be, but I think that's just the premise of it. He just hasn't started enough uh, quality football games. We know what his potential could be in his apparatus. But for what he did in those two games, like you said, 20 fantasy points, that's a hell of a good fucking floor. Yeah. Um, so I like that <laughs> about him a lot. Going to the running back position, it's, it's hard to say. I, I love Elijah. And I know like it's one of those things where with this zone running scheme and how they like to do it in the Shanahan type of system in general, from Mike to his now his father, it's all about the hot, the hot hand. But we can always look back at the season, even if Elijah missed a game or he he played hurt the most of the entire season. If he was a check mark to play, 
that was the number one running back altogether. I think Elijah is going to come into the season with the same amount of opportunities in regards to fantasy. I would value him until we see it um, as like a running back too. And I would draft him accordingly. I wouldn't try to reach for him, um, but his ceiling is there. I'm not afraid of any of these running backs on the team other than uh, Davis Price, who I think would get some fair looks in the goal line. And we already know Jeff Wilson is similar to that, but that's nothing we didn't already know about them. Wide receiver, obviously love Debo, but like to Vander's point, I'm off of him. You can't trust IU, but I did want to mention to viewers, a watch list kind of guy or somebody to keep an eye on is going to be Danny Gray, the rookie they just drafted. Clear and cut, short and simple, Van Jefferson. I, that, that's his skill set. That's what he'll be asked to do. And if Debo actually can play to a number one receiver, he is someone of value that you can target. Or if they miss games, because this kid is going to take the top off of this offense and get down the field. He only need a little bit of daylight to go to the house. So it's not somebody I would prioritize as far as drafting. He is a dynasty pickup to me because he um, does have the skill sets to develop into a wide receiver too, as far as progression. So I would look at him as far as that, but as far as year round, he's a, a watchlist player. Uh, injury happened um, to Ayuk or Debo. I already know in my mind, I'm going to go to this this guy. That's how I look at him. And last up, we have the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf leading the way at wide receiver. Tyler Lockett as the number two wide receiver. The number three wide receiver kind of scares me. That's Freddie Swain. Tight end, you have Noah Fant and Will Disley. Quarterback, Geno Smith, Drew Locke. And as far as running back is concerned, currently, Rashard Penny is listed as the number one running back with Kenneth Walker the third as the, the rookie as the number two on the depth chart. And they actually still have Chris Carson on the depth chart as the third guy. And then you have DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, you know, just a... And I didn't realize that they actually had Darwin Thompson there now. So a few guys that are just guys, uh, Penny and Walker are going to be the cream of that crop. However, that ends up hashing out. Joe, this is your squad. Lead us off. So um, I do want to uh, first start by saying this is, uh, I'm being honest because I talk fantasy. This is a rabbit hole team where you might get good or you might get bad. The reason I why agree. I want to first <laughs> yeah, lead out with that is that we moved on for Shanahan, like uh, from Schottenheimer, sorry. The new offensive coordinator kept his same exact playbook. He didn't change it. He just installed new things on top of it but it's never Waldron's playbook. So you never got a full, like, that's why like, if you ever notice the games, we look kind of fairly anemic and redundant. They, were, they weren't they were even playing with this guy's offense. He just took it and installed things week to week based on matchups, but it all was the same thing from Schottenheimer. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see what he brings to this offense. But again, it's a rabbit hole thing because the talent that's around that quarterback will start first. Obviously, I hate Gino. Um, <laughs> I despise him. For, and I don't know if you guys remember watching the Rams game. He got they tore his ass up. That's all I'm gonna say. Drew Lock. I'm not, he's not fantasy relevant, but I do. I would prefer players better if he starts. It's one of those things with Drew to me that he's not fantasy relevant. But what I want people to kind of understand is that the misconception that he's a bad quarterback is just because his interpretation more so than than fact. It's to be seen because he wasn't highly developed as most quarterbacks are, even as a backup in regards to what they had going on in Denver. So you really, really got a shell of what he could be. 
in my personal opinion. But if you also look at the opportunities and things of that nature, it wasn't much for him to excel. But when he was asked to start and filling in for um, Bridgewater, he had quite a few games uh, that was really good. He kind of expounded on what he his progression as a quarterback. He actually got look looked like he got better. But again, he I like him only because if he starts, I then like the weapons. So going to the weapons, I'm gonna run through them quick. Metcalf, I think the screw being out of his foot is big. We've seen what happened when Hollywood got it out of his. But now we're talking about one of the more physically imposing wide receivers in the game, being free and being able to run. I love that. I would take him at fair value, but I also can see his upside because, again, if he had uh, Drew Locke, Drew Locke is a great intermittent uh, passer as well as he has a, a good deep ball. And you can't outthrow. Well, no, Locke could outthrow him. But if they're on the same rapport, I think that's going to be a fair advantage for DK. Tyler Lockett is going to always have his variances, so I don't think anything changes about him. And going to running back, that's where it gets tricky. Even though we we spent the high draft choice on Kenneth Walker III, I love him to death. Him and Rashad Penny is the exact same running back. The only difference is, is that Kenneth Walker is so physical, so damn physical to be a fast running back, a do-all kind of running back. That's the only split difference between the two. So I don't know personally how we're going to use them. It's like drafting the same guy to me. Kenneth Walker is, I don't, I don't want to, I think I can't call him Marsh. Like as far as to give for the viewers, his level of physicality, I would put him up there with Marshawn as far as physical physicality. He doesn't, he ain't going to break eight players, but he fights for yards uh, to be so young in the game and be a rookie. He he fights for every inch and he gets more than his few. And honestly, but obviously that what that means for Chris Carson is that Chris Carson might be done. Obviously with the neck injury being what it was, I think honestly it's Cam Chancellor all over. Again. But if it's anybody that to wait and see, and I don't even want to wait and see because he's such a workout warrior. He can look the part in shorts and then in pads, we just don't know. Quickly on no offense, I think Noah Fan is definitely undervalued. I would put him, I can't say he's a top 10, but you have to look at an offense that's going to be uh, heavily focused on play action and things of that nature. His skill set is still play to be a, a heavy pr- produ- you know, producer in our offense. I can see him having 700 yards and six touchdowns, and because it's a tight end position, that really puts him close to the top 10, if not 11, 12, and that's just the floor. If, again, going back to the quarterback, it being Drew Locke, I really like his value uh, with Drew Locke. So that's what I got on my team. Like I said, we don't have many rookies that play on the offensive side of like offensive players uh, relative to fantasy uh, other than Kenneth Walker. But I would like to say Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, preseason. No, preseason won't even tell us a lot because I don't think Kenneth Walker will get a lot of touches in preseason. It's just one of those educated guesses. I would fade their backfield, honestly. And hope, like, once you solidify the running back position, you just come back to Seattle if it's still value. Well, this should be pretty quick for me. It's buyer beware for this whole team, man. <laughs> I agree. I think everybody's under, I think everybody is not at fair value. I think everybody's going to be overvalued. Uh, DK, you should not feel the same way you feel about DK. Tyler Lockett, you should not feel about the same way you feel about Tyler Lockett last year. Because the one thing is the quarterback. That's it. I mean, I don't know what else to talk about. You can go all about the fans and the this and that. No, it's Geno Smith, man. We're talking about Geno Smith. And Drew Locke ain't no better. So if it nope. is Drew Locke, <laughs> congratulations. You played yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it. All these guys should take a hit as far as production-wise. I'm staying away from everybody. The only person I don't like on this team as far as fantasy-wise would be Penny. Um, I think he could be a running back. Like I said, if you go kind of zero running back, 
we talked about earlier, he may be one of those guys you can grab a lot later. Uh, he showed that with um, the opportunity, he can be successful. So I'm also going to take a guy that can run the ball. But any guy that needs someone to give the ball to them, like throw it to them, not a chance. I don't care if DK staring me in the face in the third, fourth round or something. I'm just not taking them. And if I do take them, I'm trading them to see if I can f- fool somebody to, to follow the name. But I think all yep. these guys took hits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're playing in a, in a very aggress- a very aggressive division. Well, all teams have good defenses. The Rams have a great defense. The Cardinals have a great defense. The 49ers have a great defense. They first, hell, their first game is against the Denver Broncos, right? Now, what, what do you think going to happen? <laughs> don't get this is already a top three defense that, that just added a couple more guys. So, oh. Not to mention they won't be able to keep pace as far as the offense is concerned. I don't, I don't care how many screws come out of that boy's foot. <laughs> this ain't it. <laughs> Not this, this year, guy. Nah, this, this ain't it, man. Like you say, man, the lottery. Look, look for um Stroud. Is it CJ? Is it Stroud? Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud. Look, yeah, look for him and look for um, the Alabama kid or something like that. This ain't it. So in I my opinion, guys. Stay away from these guys. These these skill position guys, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. I wouldn't put it past Seattle that one of the reasons that they didn't get a quarterback this year is because with the two guys they have right now, DK's numbers are going to look real shitty. And he's in a contract year. So, I mean, maybe you're kind of killing two birds with one stone by they, not they, right. bringing most, in a most, serviceable quarterback. They most definitely looking at next year's draft. That's not, I mean, it's pretty clear you know what i mean but what i'm saying is if you wanted to at least attempt to do something this year hell baker mayfield is three times better than who you got right now and he's still available so i don't think that they necessarily want to produce as much as they can they just want to get as much as they can out of the people that are out there knowing that their best still ain't gonna cut the mustard and they'll be in position to get one of their uh, quarterbacks of the future ryan fix patrick would be a better choice than these guys facts and he's available with the skills 100 right because he's gonna gonna push it downfield and he's gonna fit dk and tyler lockett skill set better than i agree gino don't come on man joe you watch them them seattle games don't do that. I don't think I think I don't understand how people think that Gino got a chance of being the starter. I I heavily don't think it's I, I'm just looking at the current depth chart. Um and and right now, based on what the, I want to say either the OC or the head coach was saying, Gino Smith was the guy that they thought was kind of looking a little bit better. So I don't know if it's a matter of Gino Smith obviously already knows the offense. Drew Locke just came in. So I don't know right. if we should assume that he's going to be as good as Geno Smith in the offense that he's never played in. So right. there's that factor as well. If if talent is equal and one guy knows the playbook and the other guy doesn't, then that guy should theoretically win out the job. But that's my point. They never played under Waldron's playbook last year. It was still Schottenheimer's when he got he inherited the job. This is a new playbook for both of them. Well, gotcha. Pete, Carroll, okay. well, Pete Carroll came out, and that's, that's what people going off. Pete Carroll came out and said, "Right now, Gino is ahead right now in the in well, the race." That was his words. And it's that, not like I mean, is a rookie, so why would you even? Well, Pete Carroll likes to lie a lot too. So exactly, <laughs> I mean, that that's too. what Pete Carroll is supposed to say. <laughs> 
I'm not trying to say it's any less factual. I don't trust either one of them to win us any games. But as far as, like I said, going down the rabbit hole, if Drew Lock start and I do like our weapons better, but I'm not, I'm fading most of them unless it's actual value. Like DK is at five, which could be likely this year. I might take him in the fifth round. I won't lie to you, but I doubt he's there. I would take I, I wouldn't even call it a rabbit hole. I'll call it another kind of hole, and I'll let you fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that's what the Seattle Seahawks is this year. That hole. <laughs> for sure. Um, and with that, uh, that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. Uh, we will be deep diving into the AFC East next week. In the week following, it'll be the NFC East. So make sure that you stay tuned. We're going to make sure we go through every fantasy relevant player that you may have to make a decision on or that you may already have on the dynasty team and kind of trying to figure out what to do with until then we out